0: Welcome into Blackhawks Insider, your inside look at your favorite NHL club, and on this week's episode, we take a quick look back at the 2019 Blackhawks convention, the announcement of a 10-year anniversary of the 2010 Stanley Cup Championship team. We look at the debut of the season finale of On the Clock, the look inside of how the Blackhawks drafted Kirby Dock. We talk about Chris Kunitz's recent retirement and joining the coaching staff for the Blackhawks. And, of course, look at Kirby Dock and several other prospects playing at the World Junior Summer Showcase in Michigan this week, as well as a sit-down interview with Chris Cook and Brian Bickle coming up next on Blackhawks Insider. You share
1: experiences of things that worked for you and and taking some of the knowledge that I have from, you know, different seasons, different organizations, and, and trying to help those kids develop into full-time NHLers if it's you know some of the kids that are in Rockford or if it's some of the young guys in Chicago just you know talking hockey and and being able to share some of the wisdom that other people have passed down to me is something that you know I'm looking forward to and I kind of did you know last couple years of my career and and when you're accepting a new role on a team and um, I thought that would be kind of a good way
0: to transition and and still get to stay in the hockey the hockey world and and
2: talk hockey as much as I like to.
0: That was Chris Kunitz, recently retired Blackhawk, now transitioning into a player development advisory role with the team, adding another name to Jeremy Colleton's coaching staff and Chris Cook and Eric Lear joining me. Cook, you had a good piece yesterday on Blackhawks.com just about the veteran presence and what someone who's played 15 years in the NHL and won four Stanley Cups and Played over a thousand games and so many accolades. What that can bring to such a young Blackhawks roster and uh, so many prospects coming up through the system, especially on the offensive side.
2: If I'm a guy trying to make an organization, impact an organization, I listen to a guy like that, right? He went undrafted. So right there, you've got a different kind of path in NHL. Goes on at 15 pretty strong years in NHL, wins four Stanley Cups, plays along Sidney Crosby. This is a guy, when he says something, I'm, I'm perking my ears up saying, okay. I want to hear what he has to say, and I think Chris has kind of embraced that that role, saying, "Yeah, I've got some experience here. I'm willing to impart that knowledge." And he he acknowledged that um, it's a learning uh, situation for him too. He doesn't quite know what the role is going to be, although he knows that he's got enough experience that he can say something, he can spot something on the ice, he can say see guys the way he walks, the way you know the kind of way he carries himself. Uh, it's a great addition. I was just thinking to myself on the way here. It's really cool when these players want to stick with an organization, right? I mean, there's no bridges burned here. These guys, you know, I was talking to Stan Bowman about it. They got guys calling them all the time saying, hey, can we join the organization? That just tells you something that there's something special going on here where even when players retire, they want to stick around. Especially someone who only spent a single year here. Right. He spent most
0: of his career in Pittsburgh. And naturally, when a player retires, they the thought is that they go back to the team that they spent most of their time with where they've developed a home. Part of it is that his wife is right. from the area and you know this is a second home for them and it's nice to have family around. But it says a lot when someone spends not even half a year here really before they bought a house and they knew
2: that this is where they wanted to be. And no time taking off to lay on the couch for a little while, right? I mean, right? He retired and then he joined the organization, which is kind of fun. I think i take a little bit of time off just to see how this retired life is. But it's important. We've talked about this before with Adam Burris and some guys. It's important for these guys to kind of make a, an easier transition into so-called normal life after being a professional athlete because some guys struggle with it. Some guys embrace it. I think you've seen the Blackhawks are able to do it with Brian Campbell and Jamal Mayers and, and now Chris Kunitz. Those guys realize that you just can't go from – you know, 60 to zero and just start, you know, go from a professional athlete to doing nothing. And I think it's a great transition for him. This did have me thinking a lot about Brian Campbell and we saw what he did uh, and and continues
1: to do with Adam Boquist, um, trying to cut years off of the development of a talented young player by, hey, here's what I wish I knew uh, when I was your age. Here's things that I went through and, and, what better guy to do it from, from than Brian Campbell and from Chris Kunitz? guys who've experienced that. And I do think it's really unique and maybe it's kind of a uh, human nature for successful people to want to teach the next generation. Um, it's, it's pretty cool to see guys that have had uh, such success, want to share what they've learned and, and help make an
0: impact on the future. And lucky for us, uh, it's in Chicago. And he's not exactly a, a, an assistant coach on Jeremy Colliton's staff, but if you look at the names and the personnel that the Blackhawks are now surrounded with in that in that coaching staff, you have Jeremy Colliton, who's a young coach. You have a couple of young assistants. You have Mark Crawford, who has obviously been there and done that, in just about every level, uh, done been in every situation in the NHL, and now you have a veteran of 15 years, kind of there as an advisor to lean in when he can, to go down to Rockford and help some of those players in their development when he can, to just kind of be around the team, be around the room, and uh, almost an elevated veteran presence in
2: the locker room from a non-playing side. It's really smart by Stan Bowman and Jeremy Colleton to surround yourself with these guys who have been through this, because face it, Jeremy's still young. I mean, he's one of, if he's not the youngest NHL coach, he's right there. Uh, you know, So what you do is you bring in some guys from some diverse backgrounds, some guys who are a little older, have been through some wars, and you listen to what they have to say. And I thought it was interesting that Chris Kunitz said that, hey, you know, when I'm not on the road, I'm going to be in Rockford. So that's a big development step there when he's talking to some of the younger players there, because it's great to talk to first-year players up in the NHL, and they've got their feet wet a little bit, and maybe they're getting some habits in. But you go to Rockford, you establish early on, this is where you eat. This is where you comport yourself off the ice. This is what you do during warm-ups. This is how you talk to the media afterward. Very important stuff. Speaking of that next generation, a lot of the
0: young prospects, or not a lot, but a couple of the young prospects from the Blackhawks uh, were in town for, obviously, development camp and then sticking around for the Blackhawks convention last week. And in the case of Kirby Doc and Alexis Gravel, they got on a plane, went right to Michigan, and now they're competing in the World Juniors Summer Showcase, uh, really the, the training camp for World Juniors upcoming in, in the winter. Auntie Sorella is also there with Finland. A uh, couple games under their belt, Doc right away competing for Canada. He had a, two goals and an assist and a 4-1 win over the U.S. the other day. Uh, Auntie Sorella has two assists in three games, and Alexis Gravel came in at the tail end of a, a blowout loss for Team Canada and only allowed one goal in 38 minutes, and what ended up being an 8-3 game, really backstopping the Canadians and shoring things up behind the goal. But just continuing for Kirby Dock, what was a very strong development camp, going right into the World Junior Summer Showcase and putting forth a strong effort. And Eric, you and I were talking a little yesterday. The tide's really turning on, on Kirby Dock. You know, when the Blackhawks took him at number three, some of the conversation was, I don't know, like there's some other guys that that were maybe higher rated, but... I don't know what Stan Bowman saw in Kirby Dock and in the last three, four weeks. It's becoming very apparent what the Blackhawks saw there.
1: A lot of uh, good highlights uh, rolling through on Twitter from that, ge- that game at the World Junior Showcase, um, a very um, a heady behind the back, no look pass for a goal. And then the one that stuck out to me I saw, um, it was an offside play, but he took the puck in his own zone, almost at the goal line. Um, took it all the way up, dodged two or three USA skaters, and and got it up into the, uh, almost into the zone onside. But just the speed that he showed, um, the 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 heady plays, passing, and also scoring a couple. I mean, it's it's exciting to watch. You, I don't know how many people circle the World Junior Summer Showcase on the on the calendar to flip on uh, and watch. But um, obviously, if you're a Blackhawks fan, you got to be interested to see what he's doing. And just the, after one game, not even one full game, you're already um, heads were turning a little bit at what he's been able to do so
0: far. Couple games left through the weekend, and they're all shown on NHL Network if you are ever so inclined to tune in and see what Kirby Doc and and those guys are doing. But, Chris, you talked to uh, some of the veterans, Patrick Kane and and Jonathan Taves, last week. And, you know, a lot was said, obviously, about Kirby Doc coming out of development camp. But those two kind of had their ears perked and, and they liked what they saw as well. And they're saying all the right things that this is a guy who very likely could make the squad out of training camp.
2: Listen, Kirby Doc is doing exactly what you need to do. I don't know if he's going to be opening night roster or not, um, but this is a kid who you've got to come in. You've got to show the right attitude at being drafted, which he certainly did. He, he comported himself very well at the news conference I had at the United Center. Then he goes in, and he goes to prospect camp, and he stands out. One of maybe the best player, or you know, him and Boquist, I thought were the two of the best players on the ice. Then you go to the summer so- showcase, and you do very well next I don't think he's going to Trevor City if he, if he does well there then you got training camp and you do well at each step there you're putting yourself in position and that's something that Blackhawks fans are dreaming about right number a, a top you know number three pick you want a guy to step right in but it's not that easy guys aren't able to do that but he's just a kid with the size and the skill and I think that kind of what sets him apart you can have a guy who's big and still learning some skill but or a skilled player who's not as big he's got them both and I, you know I think it's important to practice some patience here but so far he's doing all the right things. You're right. Patrick Kane couldn't have been hired talking about him, talking about how he's got the skill and the size, and it looks like he can really handle himself on the ice as far as his puck awareness. Very smart player. That's kind of what stands out to me. Really, his hockey acumen is very high for such a young kid. That's something you can't teach. That's something to look forward to in the future.
0: And what does it say? I mean, it's easy for a number three overall pick, and even for a guy like Alex Nylander, to come into prospects camp and dominate because they're a whole class above some of the rest of these guys. He's the number three overall pick for a reason. But then he goes to a summer showcase like this, and he's the best player on the ice for Team Canada. The next day, Canada plays a game that he's not playing in. They lose 8-3. to three. They're down 5 nothing after the first period uh, with a little bit of a B squad. But what does it say about Kirby Doc that not only is he able to dominate, and it's, say, it's one thing to dominate in prospect camp, to then go to that big stage and dominate there. Prospect The prospect tournament might be another one of those stages where – some lower talent that he might be able to dominate. But bringing that momentum, bringing that rhythm coming into training camp, he's going to be flying at a mid-season level when a lot of the guys are going to be coming in, getting their first skate with the team in a couple weeks. That's
2: when you have to do it too, right? right? I mean, you can't you can't be a high draft pick and then come in and not perform well in prospect camp because right then you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot and, okay, well, this guy's going to – let's send him to Rockford for a you know, season. He's come in and he's played well from Jump Street, which I think is really important because – Nothing, you know, he, he realizes that nothing is owed to him, right? He's got to work for everything, and that's not something else I like about him. I think it's interesting mentioning Traverse City or th- starting to think about that. It reminds me of uh, Alex Brinkett a couple of
1: years ago. He was a guy where we're sitting right now not knowing if he's going to make the team out of camp. He's young, he's small, and he, he went he, – went off at that tournament and the blackhawks won't ended up winning that so i think that that it's definitely something you circle um obviously watching what de did there and i think kirby doc's got that potential too he'll be matched up against you know top prospects for the other teams that are there so i think that'll be a fun one to watch too as as well as the rest of the the world junior showcase to see what he can do but it's just been fun to to see the highlights and see what he did at development camp see what he's doing now in uh in plymouth and um, it's just an exciting time with a guy like that who's already starting to
0: show a lot of skill at a very young age. Full coverage of the Summer Showcase on Blackhawks.com and, of course, the Traverse City Prospects Tournament coming up in early September after a couple lighter weeks. Looking back at the convention last week, we mentioned that Kirby Dock went straight from the convention to Plymouth to, to compete with Team Canada A lot of different things happening last week at the convention. The biggest news probably coming out of it is that the Blackhawks are going to have a year-long celebration of the 2010 Stanley Cup team, the 10-year anniversary of that with uh, important moment bobbleheads or dynamic moment bobbleheads uh, at several games throughout the year. Uh, We'll have lots of great content on Blackhawks.com and Blackhawks TV throughout the season and really just a a celebration of a team that changed everything, a 49-year Stanley Cup drought and um, Chris, you had the opportunity to speak with a couple of the guys. And also, there was a great panel with uh, so many, Brian Bickle, um, Christopher Stieg, all those guys back in town and really back together uh, as a full group for one of the first times in a while. And uh, just a great week and a lot of great memories
2: coming out of the weekend. I really enjoyed it. I was kind of, I, I listened to those guys talk about that, that cup championship, and I'm looking forward to the season, kind of celebrating that. Um, you know, I was on the other end of it covering it. And, um, you know, you get your head down you're working your tail off and you realize that there's something special is going on for the city. So it'll be really interesting to, to watch these guys kind of revel in that while still playing at a pretty high level. I mean, these guys aren't like, oh, looking back 20 years ago, they're still in the thick of things. We're talking about Jonathan Tays and Patrick Kane and Duncan Key still at the tops or near the tops of their games. Uh, really going to be a fun kind of summer or a season reminiscing about some of the great moments and you know I've been around sports a long time in Chicago I don't want to age myself but that was a special group it really was I mean they won a the cup in 13 they won it in 15 but that 2010 team just full of cast of characters who didn't really know what they were doing as I think Jonathan Taylor said we were too or I think Ken, Kane said we're too naive to think about you know to realize what was going on there really fun to um, think about the game-winning goal from Patrick Kane, but just that journey to get there and everything special that happened. And the bobbleheads are going to be great. I'm sure the fans will be talking about it. And at the same time, you're playing a season, so you've got two things going on there, kind of running parallel. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what the Blackhawks organization comes up with as far as celebrating, because they do everything really well with that stuff. I went back and watched the panel. I, w- I wasn't available available to watch it uh, during the the convention, but so many stories
1: came up that I'd never heard yeah. of. It was really cool to hear those guys talk about the behind the scenes stuff that you know, you'd think working in the organization you would have heard or know, but to hear those stories, it was it was amazing and brought me back to. To being a fan, then it was before my time. You'd appreciate Chris. I was writing uh, for a newspaper at that point in my <laughs> career yeah. in Minnesota. So, so was so. I. <laughs> <laughs> so that was it. Was a lot of fun to kind of be brought back to the 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 fan side of it uh, for me. But uh, I think fans in general will just really enjoy, enjoy um, all the stuff that's going to come out. Uh, the the fun stories and the fun memories from that because that was uh, a pretty special time
0: in in the history of this organization. And Patrick Kane saying that he's had nightmares about. You know, he's, he thinks he scores that goal. Right. He's down the ice. He's shedding all of his equipment. And he said, I've had nightmares where I do all of that. Half of my team is celebrating. Uh, some of the guys in, in the 2010 panel were saying, we didn't know whether to celebrate yet because we didn't want to look like a bunch of idiots. Patrick Kane flat out said, you know, I, I wake up screaming some nights. Because it's, if that goal doesn't go in, I look like a complete idiot.
2: And that story told about how he had the puck and Patrick Sharp during the celebration said, hey, I was opening the slot. <laughs> right? I mean, that's great, funny stuff. And that, that night was, was wild. And just the way that whole thing went down and kind of apropos of that team, right? It was kind of a goofball team that kind of came together and it really turned into a juggernaut. But even the way they won, you weren't sure they won. And it was just fun. I actually talked to Anthony Emi a few years after that when he was playing for the Sharks. And I, and I brought it up. I said, what were you thinking when you saw Patrick Kane you know, skating toward you, you know, shedding equipment and, and smiling? He's like, I didn't know what to do. I, I, didn't, I didn't know if the puck was in, so I just kind of stood there. And if you watch the video, there's Anthony Emi just standing there and those guys jumping all over him. It was really a fun time. Imagine if that didn't go in. Right, I mean, it's I, the biggest goal in history, right? I think yeah. about
1: that from time to time. Like you'd have to, they'd have to play. They'd have to go back and play after thinking half of them think they won, half of them think they didn't win. I, I mean, I can't imagine how difficult that would be to think you won the Stanley Cup and then go back and try to win it again.
0: Just, it's kind of crazy. Well, and they mentioned that in the panel. They said, look, if that goal actually doesn't go in, we probably lose because. If you go from the high of thinking you just won the Stanley Cup to having to get your composure back, get back all your equipment that you've thrown everywhere, and then go out and play, there's no way that you can go on and win that game. It's just too much of an emo- emotional roller coaster, and uh, it's it's incredible to think about. But such a great team, such a great moment for the city, uh, and a full year-long celebration coming up for that from the Blackhawks. Full coverage, uh, you can see everything that's going on or everything that's out there so far. So much more to come at blackhawks.com slash 2010. We'll have the full panels up on blackhawks.com next week that you can go back and and watch, especially that 2010 one and some of the great moments that we've been discussing. And in talking about the convention, I bypassed one of the things that I did want to talk about was the debut of On the Clock, the final episode of season three uh, going really behind the scenes of drafting Kirby Dock and the decision and his first hours as a Blackhawk and everything that went into that. It, it led off Saturday morning right there with a debut and then the full video posted on Blackhawks.com uh, earlier this week. And Eric, as someone who obviously had a very instrumental part in that, such a great culmination of, of what's been uh, almost a picturesque offseason for the Blackhawks when you look at Getting the winning the lottery, getting number three overall, drafting a player like Kirby Doc, and then to see what he's been able to do in the week since—you uh, really can't write a script better than that.
1: And it's something that we really want to try to show the full scope of what the scouting sc- staff does, but it's kind of, uh, I mean, that would be a, a full-time job for many people to follow them around to everything that they do. So we try to give a little bit of a snapshot, and at the end, we tried to show, hey, you know, this really is a long process. Like Mark Kelly mentioned on the panel, he's at the World Junior Showcase right now, starting next year already, but, you know, we don't quite um, show that depth and on the clock, uh, the year-round aspect, but really wanted to show so many people put in so much time and effort to, to do this and to do it right um, in terms of the scouting staff and Mark and Stan, and it's really fun to to be on board and watch some of that, um, and obviously to see the selection of Kirby and how well it's gone so far and the excitement that's built is a lot of fun, and uh, we have a lot of fun producing on the clock, and hopefully the fans enjoy it as much as we enjoy showing it. Uh, but, yeah, Kirby's a bit, Kirby, one thing I really noticed, and you guys might have as well in conversations with him, he, he doesn't seem... 18 to me. Like no. the way he no. talks, the things that he says, like he seems very mature. I wasn't around when Taves got drafted, but I imagine he was very similar um, in terms of that uh, focus on hockey and maturity. And um, that's something that's really stood out to me just following him around uh, as he got drafted and, and in Chicago shortly after.
0: One of my favorite moments is, you know, Stan and Mark Kelly obviously know in the days leading up to the draft, kind of where they're thinking and when that decision is made. But there's an entire scouting staff that has worked for years to put all the work into this draft. Uh, And rather than just kind of walk into a room and say, all right, here's who we're taking. Thanks for coming, basically. They go, we're going to do a mock draft, it's something that they said they do every single year of kind of just walking through different scenarios. Every scout has a team that they're responsible for of who they're drafting. And you see it right there. They just open up the draft, and it's Mark Kelly holding the Blackhawks card at number three. And he says, with the number three overall pick, the Blackhawks let Kirby dock. And that's how they let everyone know. That's how everyone in the room knows that this is where we're going in just a few hours time yeah mark was kind of
1: coy about it too and when, we when we were in vancouver i was asking
0: you know stan and mark
1: before we even got there like when are you guys gonna find out when are you gonna know like we want cameras there we'd love to be there at that moment um so mark was like just show up uh friday morning at 10 and you'll get you'll get what you want you know he's kind of tongue-in-cheek and having fun with it and then uh told us a little bit later kind of what the process was and um, it's something that's uh, that I think that they all enjoy to do every year. Um, this year, obviously, had a little different emphasis on it, as the room kind of obviously found out that that it was Kirby. Um, so it was kind of fun to be in on that, and and something that's kind of a lighter moment for for those the scouts and what can be a pretty stressful week and stressful time. Uh, so I did think that was kind of a, a unique uh, a way to announce
0: it to the full staff that Kirby was going to be the guy. And you probably had the most envious job in the world during the draft. You sat in the stands. With an earpiece in, with microphones on both Stan Bowman and Mark Kelly at the table, hearing anything and everything that was going down. You can't ex- disclose everything, but what's maybe your favorite moment uh, that is, uh, I guess, arable uh, from an organization standpoint? That's a tough question. You're really putting me on
1: the spot here. Uh, Mark, Mark Kelly is funny. That's yeah. like that's one of my favorite. Like he's just funny, and he knows I'm listening, so he'll you know throw some jokes in at me uh, here and there, <laughs> which is fun too. But yeah, he's he's just he's very quick, quick witted, very funny. So um, just just listening to him and him and Stan, I obviously have such a great rapport, so it's kind of fun hearing hearing them go back and forth. But. But yeah, Mark will throw a lot of zingers in there that are pretty funny. And he didn't let you get the pick
0: in this year, but maybe next year he'll let you actually make a selection. You
1: know, that's what he said in Buffalo. We we're talking at the combine. He's like, "Well, let's talk. Let's talk about how we spice up ratings this year for season three of On the Clock." And he said he's going to fire somebody on camera. I was like, "Great, we're going to fire a scout on camera." Or <laughs> I, I was hoping he didn't mean me uh, on camera. But he's like, "We're going to fire." Listen, somebody. Eric, we've been needing to talk. Yeah, yeah, on camera. You know, camera pans to me sitting on my phone off a, off a screen and. Uh, what, what are we talking about? And then he said, yeah, he's going to let me make a pick because I've been around, you know, the process for, for three years now. So I was texting
0: him. I was like, let's take Kirby Doc at third overall. So you heard it here first. That's how Kirby Doc became a (laughs) Blackhawk. Everyone who was upset at Stan Bowman, you can direct your anger towards Eric Lear. (laughs) You can direct your anger towards Eric Lear for pretty much everything. Blackhawks. That's generally our plan of action around here. Don't tell him my email now. (laughs) 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 We'll leave that off. Uh, But tons of great stuff coming out of the convention and, uh, of course, full coverage of that on Blackhawks.com. So much more to come in the coming weeks as we post all the different panels to the site, some of our uh, favorite highlights from them, as well as the full panels that you can go back and watch in the coming weeks. Uh, Another great opportunity at the convention with so many great alumni in town was Chris Cook. You had the opportunity to catch up with uh, several different big-name stars from years past. Eric and, Lear
2: was one of them. Eric Lear was yeah. one
0: of them. We're going to save I that interview nervous. for uh, next year's podcast. We're going to we're gonna hold that one. But uh, lots of great inter- interviews coming down the pipe in the coming weeks right here on Blackhawks Insider. We're going to start it off today with uh, Brian Bickle, but just in, in conversations with so many of those guys and, and just the camaraderie of everyone from different generations being back in town, how cool was that to be able to just – get a couple minutes and and for you yourself catch up with them the guys that you've covered and your coverage of the team through many years but also just to just to chat with them and and catch up and see how life is and uh, how they're transitioning to the post-playing life
2: it was really fun you know I I hadn't been uh, so-called behind the scenes before Um, not working for the Blackhawks until recently. So it was really interesting to watch those guys interact. And and I always wondered, do they really want to be here at summer at Chicago? Do they want to fly in? Those guys legitimately love to be here, love to catch up. I saw so much laughter and uh, a lot of reminiscing. So yeah, to have the opportunity to sit down um, I don't want to spoiler alert, but I talked to Jeremy Ronick and Chris Chelios and Steve Larmer and Brian Bickle and um, Christopher Stieg. So these are ones we're going to roll out in the weeks of coming weeks ahead. But really great to be able to sit down and look at these guys in the eye, ask them how they're doing, um, both off uh, audio and um, just kind of just kind of shooting the the, gar- the garbage around. It was really kind of fun to catch up and realize that because um, guys are different places in their lives now since, since especially 2010 and you know Brian's story has been uh, well documented about how he's uh, fighting what, MS and, and it's just been great to be able to talk to him and catch up with him and um, I really look forward to hearing the rest of these and, and doing more in the future. Well, one thing Bickle does touch on is uh,
0: a lot of questions surrounding why wasn't Corey Crawford at the convention? Everyone wanted That's to right. see Corey Crawford. Robin Leonard was there. Uh, you know, everyone was like, "Where's Corey Crawford? Is this is this a big thing? Conspiracy, is this, right? Does this uh, lead to maybe?" something in the future. Is this Stan tipping his hat? No, Corey Crawford got married and uh, Brian Bickle discussed that and, and so much more as he chats
3: with Chris Cook right
2: now. Brian, first off, how's your health? How are you doing?
3: Uh, doing good. There's uh, obviously a lot of better days and worse days. Um, I'm two and a half years into my treatment that uh, I started from, from day one and nothing's come up. Um, I'm sure if the things do, I just got to adjust and and move on. I'm enjoying my family and, you know, they're pulling my hair out but that's the uh, the stressful part of it but um no it's been good.
2: I know that uh, you and your wife are doing a lot of charity events and tell me a little bit about that that's
3: keeping you busy I'm sure. Yeah we still obviously we started our foundation here I don't know like nine years ago or whatever it is I'm um, still doing a lot of work for the dogs and the kids uh here um in Chicago but then we're doing more stuff back home um MS related obviously got diagnosed a couple years ago so we're gonna um you know trying to help the people in mean, ontario ontario where i live is the number one population in the world for people with ms so um you know definitely helping you know spread the word hopefully we can find something to you know help out people
2: every time i see you I ask you how the fishing's going you said not too well because you don't have much time but are you getting out on the water at all
3: i uh, am yeah, um, there's um obviously there's i want more but i you know i have a wife and two kids so um she keeps it kind of you know under control um you know it's my passion that was the thing that I, I did when I played was uh, I fished some guys golf I fished and it was just kind of my happy place to kind of rewind and relax and not think about anything and then come season I you know turn the, the switch back on and, and go back at it but um, uh, you know there's more time I'm still young the kids are getting younger hopefully next year I'll we'll bring my fishing game up because they both would be in school so that'd be uh, That'd be fun.
2: You had a lot of great moments in your NHL career. What's your
3: fondest memory as a Blackhawk? My fondest, um, obviously, the 17 seconds was the the biggest uh, with the goal the tie up, and then Bowling score you know scored afterwards. Obviously, um, your first game was a you know a huge you know stepping stone because that was a, your dream come true is to the, the play in the NHL, and then um, being fortunate to win a couple of Stanley Cups was uh, you know super super cool. That was a a thing that you did when you're playing in the hallways and uh, tournaments when you're a kid to, to win the Stanley Cup um, and then even just to come back here and had that last shift it was a, you know, a special moment from getting drafted here and um, you know definitely wearing the jersey the last time and say you know I retired as a Hawk so it was a, a cool moment I
2: know you've had a lot of teammates uh, that you enjoyed over the years but who, who are some of your favorite teammates that you might still talk to and share some stories with?
3: Um, you know, we like, like this event. The convention always brings up a lot of old stuff. Um, obviously, B- Big John, he was my roommate for the years. He was here. Um, Shazi um, Crawford. He, he, me, and him came up together. We always stay in touch. He just got married last week, so um, to be there for that special moment. Um, well, those guys are definitely my my close runners, and um, you know, you always chat with the guys that you play with. It's always nice to reminisce over you know the dumbest things we used to do. Got any good John Scott stories that you can share or is it uh, uh, John Scott? <laughs> um, yeah, he's uh, I got a couple him and his wife for um, Always talking on the phone like a grooming of them So then he would go to the wash and talk because he would just talk for hours I'm like, how do you talk to your wife for like hours? Like out end and she has to go in the wash because he doesn't want to talk in front of me because he talks differently but um, I'll be like three seconds, like hey John, watch this, I'll, like just show the time on the phone. I'm like hey honey, how you doing? this basic stuff, and then good night. And it's like two minutes, and like he does it for two hours. So I got that on him.
2: You should have a a pretty good relationship uh, with Blackhawks fans. What makes that that special? That that kind of bond that you've gone through with these fans who seem to love love seeing you. Whenever I see you, they're they're around you and want to talk to you.
3: Um, I just like. You know, I grew up in a small town, I, I'm not one of those guys that, uh, you know, brushes the fans away as I always, you know, if we didn't have fans, we wouldn't have hockey. Um, I always gave my time to anybody to, you know, for an autograph or a picture or for a story. Um, if we didn't have them, I would, you know, be with the, the situation I'll be in, so I always loved and enjoyed to, you know, make people's days or months or weeks or whatever to take a couple seconds or a minute of my day to you know intertwine with the fans and I enjoy doing it even now you know retired and uh, I like to bring back old memories and it kinda makes me feel good too at the same time.
2: Difficult circumstances that uh, ended your career but it doesn't seem to have defined you 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 don't go I'm a former hockey player that's all I ever did Where does that come from where you're able to move on with your life after uh, after having a pro career?
3: Yeah it wasn't obviously the the storybook writing I wanted to to finish off my career Um, there's always the saying, there's this, there's the hockey life and there's the life after hockey. And, um, you know, hockey was just a, another chapter in my in my life. And, I, you know, I'm only 33 and I've been out of the game for a couple of years. And you always have to look, you know, in the future. You, obviously, you want to be in the presence and, and play hockey, but you just don't know what that moment's going to happen. Um, and you just got to adjust. I, I stay busy, obviously, as much as possible. I got two kids, they're five and three, two girls, so they have been... Uh, you know keep me um, my blood pressure high and running around and, and chasing them and obviously we do a lot of stuff with our foundation and do a lot of different charity events to give my time back for good causes that's uh, you know something I enjoy doing and putting smiles on people's faces that's what uh, you know keeps me going.
2: Brian Pickle good to
0: see you thanks for
3: joining us. thank you. good to see you again.
0: Thank you to Chris Cook and, of course, Brian Bickle for giving us a few moments of his time. As a reminder, we'll have several interviews from the 2019 Blackhawks convention with Chris Chelios, Steve Larmer, Jeremy Roenick, and Chris Versteeg coming in the next few weeks right here on Blackhawks Insider. That will do it for this week's episode. Thanks to Chris Cook and, of course, Eric Lear for joining us. We'll see you next time on Blackhawks Insider.